the Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to this live edition of the Under Center podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and we are looking at the the trade deadline, I should say, um, happening in the NFL today. A crazy, crazy day. I'm not alone, though. Joining me for this special live edition of the show, I'm delighted to have Rian Malloy with me. Rian, how are you, sir? I'm doing excellently. Uh, Didn't think we'd have this much action on the, uh, the deadline for the trades, but there you go. No, definitely, definitely not. I thought it was going to be a quiet day today. It sort of started off quiet, but in the last two hours or so, the uh, well, the poop has hit the fan. Let's let's put it that way. Let's try and keep a PG for this one. But the poop has hit the fan, and everyone is trading for everyone. Well, not Mike Gutekunds. He is asleep in bed. The Green Bay Packers have done nothing all day. Who knows no. why? Well, that well. Who knows? There is still question marks about certain players that Green Bay may get involved with in the next little while. If you are watching us on Twitter, you can if you want to get a, a question or a point in during this, go over to our YouTube channel. Just search Under Center Podcast. Get your comment there in the live chat. We will try our best to answer it um, in the time that we have today. I should also mention that this show is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a wide range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS or Play Store today. But a quick uh, recap, if you haven't seen what's uh, all the trades that have uh, gone on today, some of note so far, Bradley Chubb going from the Denver Broncos to the Miami Dolphins for um, a number of picks and players, including uh, one of Miami's first round picks. Chase Claypool is leaving the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He's heading over to Chicago Bears for a second round pick. Calvin Ridley, uh, the suspended wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons is, is being traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars for uh, a, a small compensation of picks, or well, one single pick, but it determines on how he, his standing is in the team to see what exactly pick that will be. It goes from as low to a six to as high as a second. Uh, Jeff Wilson is going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Chase Claypool is involved in that Bradley Chubb pick to go to the Denver Broncos. Jacob Martin now has just been uh, traded to the Denver Broncos as well from the Jets. Uh, William Jackson is leaving the Commanders. Um, It looked like he was going to have his contract terminated if he wasn't traded before the deadline. He has been traded. He's going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Hawkinson is staying in the NFC North, but he is moving to the Minnesota Vikings, leaving the Detroit Lions, who we are still hearing that they are open to selling a few more players too before the deadline. So we'll see what happens there. Still nothing yet on Brandon Cooks. He was meant to go through a walkthrough today with the team ahead of their Thursday night football game against the uh, Eagles. He hasn't been seen at that. Uh, of course, uh, Rokon Smith was traded yesterday from the Bears to the uh Baltimore Ravens, um, but those are sort of the the headline trades for the past day or so. Um, Rian, which one of those stands out to you? I mean, it's got to be Roquan Smith, right? Uh, that 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 trade is going to absolutely shore up that Ravens defense. They've got an offense who's already humming. They maybe needed a new wide receiver, but I think this is probably the best move for the team. Getting that you know veteran presence at linebacker, he's going to get himself paid next year. Uh, the, the the Bears get themselves some nice draft capital. It works out for everybody. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, there's still plenty, plenty of rumors going on at the moment. Um, one of which is actually the Jacksonville Jaguars pass rusher Josh Allen. Um, the Chiefs seem to be making a late uh, run for him to try and sh- uh, get some more pass rush to their defensive line for the rest of the season. We'll see if they have time. Of course, there is less than thirty minutes. Well, just barely over twenty minutes left before the trade deadline happens. Um, one of the uh, probably the stranger moves we've seen today, Rain, is the move for TJ Hawkinson staying in the NFC North and moving from the Detroit Lions to the Minnesota Vikings. What what are your views on that? Yeah, it's it's kind of a strange one for me. Like, if you're the Lions, I'm sure you want to get, you know, uh, he's TJ Hawkinson can be an excellent pass catching tight end in the NFL. So why would you want to have him still in your division? He's a guy who could burn you year in, year out. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of a strange trade for me, but I guess the capital that they got in return uh, was pretty substantial. So uh, I'd say they're they're happy enough with that. And, you know, they're in a rebuilding mode at the moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Jeff Okuda went before the deadline. Uh, we might be running a bit short of time now, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, we'll see what happens with, with Jeff Okuda there. For the Panthers side of things, of course, the big trade was the uh, Christian McCaffrey move to the 49ers for a heap of picks. Um, DJ Moore was uh, rumored to be going. Um, Shaq Thompson was also another name that was po- was uh, supposedly um, on the trade block too. But it doesn't look like, unless something strange happens in these last 20 minutes, that they're going to move. But your views so far, um, do you think that maybe they should have mo- tried to move some of those players? Yeah, I'd say probably the only guy that they probably should have moved is Shaq Thompson, who's a guy who's going to be, he's going to be a lot of money on the books next season. And at, as it stands, the uh, the Panthers have a lot of um, a lot of cap space. But moving forward into next year, where they're going to have to pay Brian Burns, they're going to have to pay Derek Brown, they're going to have to pay a lot of guys moving forward. Um, it's probably not the best to have an aging linebacker who was already on quite a large contract when he signed that uh, back two or three years ago. A lot of Panthers fans kind of question it, questioned it because uh, his output hadn't been great up until then. Now he's been excellent since that point and well worth the money, but possibly it is time for uh, him to move on. Uh, we might still see it at the start of next season, kind of when the when the free agency rolls around. Um, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah, I think the biggest story though coming out of the Panthers was the Brian Burns deal or no deal, as it were. Uh, the two first round picks offered to uh, to them by apparently the the Rams. Now I don't know where they're getting those first round picks. Um, I haven't seen them. I think they've dealt their next two first round picks, right? Yes, they don't have, from my reckoning, they don't have a first-round pick until 2045. So you'd be looking at the 2045 and the 2046 first-round yeah, yeah. picks of the Rams Did, if you wanted them. Yeah, so these guys are still embryos, right? Like, they're not they're not even born yet. But, um, yeah, no, the, the, the Panthers are in need of draft capital right now. So that move didn't make sense to me. A lot of people are uh, dissing on the Panthers going, why did they let two first-round picks go? But... You kind of have to think of it in the sense that the the Panthers are not that far away, right? They're they're a couple of young, talented players away from being real contenders, uh, particularly in the NFC where things are not going so well at the moment. I think they can be right up there at the top 
uh, next season if they have the right sort of draft and get the right quarterback in there. Mind you, PJ Walker has been balling so far. He has been. You're right. Actually, he has been playing very well so far with the team, um, despite obviously the the loss last weekend. And look, once maybe the the, the trade window closes, uh, we might have a bit of time to have a, a chat about last weekend and a few games in general, a few storylines coming out of it. Uh, Will Jackson is another name that has uh, been spoken about these last few days, that he might actually be cut by the Washington Commanders from that huge $40 million contract. Um he does get his trade to the Steelers. The Steelers um, bit and decided to trade from instead of possibly losing him to the waiver wire. Uh, it looks like it's a conditional sixth and seventh round pick for him. Um, how do you feel about, um, first of all, the commanders getting valuable cap space? And secondly, the, the Steelers shoring up that uh, cornerback position. Yeah, I think it's a good deal all around. I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, they've got that valuable cap space moving forward. They might try and get in on the QB carousel next season, uh, depending on how things work out with Carson Wentz. Um, and yeah, you know, the 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 Steelers get a decent cornerback out of this for pretty minimal uh, draft compensation. So I think both sides of that trade are going to be happy enough. I don't think either of them has really lost on that trade. Um, so yeah, happy on both sides. Yeah. We should also mention that um, it's not just trades that have happened today. Fortunately, there has been some sad news. First of all, the don't timely passing of Adam Zimmer, um, coach and obviously son of former Vikings head coach uh, Mike Zimmer, who who passed away today. And also, we've learned in the last few minutes that Dolores Rivera, the mother of Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, has also passed away. So our, our thoughts with with um, both their families at this time, and of course, maybe uh, rest in peace. But let's um let's have a quick chat about this uh, Calvin Ridley deal to the Jaguars. Calvin Ridley, of course, is suspended for the 2022 season for um breaching the uh, NFL rules on betting um on games. <laughs> Coincidentally enough, he bet on a game for the Falcons to beat the Jaguars, and now he's actually joining the Jaguars. Um, a host of uh details go into this pick, most of which is if he makes uh, the the team next year and plays a certain amount of minutes it can reach a second round pick if he doesn't make the team next year i think it's at least a sixth round pick if he makes mm -hmm. a team it goes with fifth so it kind of goes up in tiers but sort of your view on on a team like the jaguars trading for a player that they can't even use till next year it's a it's a big jags move right like they they do this all the time where they spend way too much on players who are kind of they're almost like prospects if you know what i mean like they have some upside. Obviously, Calvin Ridley, you know, coming out of college, there was the whole talk of who's better, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley in that first year absolutely had DJ Moore's number. He was a much better wide receiver. But since then, he's gone a little bit off the rails. The whole betting scenario has kind of thrown things off. And I don't see where the where the Jaguars have found that value in him, looking at him and going, yes, he's worth at least, I think it is, they, they're giving him a, them a fourth round conditional pick for 2024, regardless of the outcome of the trade, is it? And then a sixth that could move up to a second in 2023 mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. I mean, yeah, like what, where's, where's the good in this? If, if he turns out to be a good player, you've lost a second round draft pick. Um, 
if he doesn't turn out to be a good player, you've lost a fourth in the, the 2024 draft anyway. I think it's a bit of a ridiculous move. It wouldn't be one that I'd be making as a GM. Yeah, it is a sort of a strange one. And I guess I, there's a, a lot of presumption in saying if he makes the team and stuff. Like, he is still a, a very good wide receiver. Like Most people thought he was ready to take that wide receiver one role in um, in Atlanta when Julio Jones left and he, he had wide receiver one potential. So there is still a, a very good wide receiver there. Um, now, maybe th- there were some question marks on how he was taking care of himself in this offseason. We don't know, but um, we'll see. Another wide receiver that hasn't been moved, and that is, of course, Brandon Cooks. Um, there's still no news yet about who exactly he is going to, if he is going anywhere. Um, you know, it's, what, quarter to quarter to eight airtime, so quarter to four Eastern, four, 15 minutes left in, in, the, in the trade window. Do you think any team can get this done in the last 15 minutes? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think probably the main contender there is going to be the Cowboys, right? Because they, they need someone to kind of complement uh, C.A.D. Lamb on the other side of the ball. And I think Brandon Cooks is actually trying to manifest that. He's been liking a lot of tweets that are kind of like, oh, the Cowboys need a wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see if Jerry Jones kind of picks up the phone, uh, sees if he's available. Um, But to be honest, at this stage in the game, I don't see it getting done. No, and it would be a shame because I think Brandon Cooks deserves to sort of have a shot with another contender. Of course, he was there with the Rams and he was taking, um, he was there actually, he was in the Super Bowl, sorry, with the Patriots um, as well in that uh, game against the Eagles, which he was actually knocked out of the game early June to a concussion. Um, so he is a, a very good wide receiver and I think he deserves to be on a better roster than the Texans. At the moment, I guess, like you're saying, the biggest trade so far of this um, final day of the uh, trade window has to be the uh, the Bradley Chubb uh, move from the the Broncos, yes, exactly, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. The the terms include that Miami are sending their 2023 first-round pick. Well, not their one, but the one that they got for uh, San Francisco. Um, a 2024 fourth. They're also sending running back Chase Edmonds to um, Denver. And then in return, of course, they get Bradley Chubb and also a 2025 fifth. You know, there was rumors circulating that before the London game uh, against the Jaguars last Sunday, that if they lost this game, that the Broncos would be willing to trade Chubb. They won the game and they still found a trade partner for Chubb anyway. Yeah, and I actually I kind of like this move from the Broncos. It's it's not a like tank the season, uh, kind of gut the team sort of move. They got a lot of draft capital there, plus uh like a starting caliber running back, uh, on the backside of things, and that's where they've really been struggling. Like realistically, are the Broncos suffering on the pass rushing side of the ball? I don't think they are. They have a nice little crop of pass rushers there, some young dudes with a lot of talent. Um, they've also added that a uh, Jets pass rusher whose name escapes me, Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin, uh, to their crop, which which has been a, a nice addition as well. So yeah, this is a really positive move, I think, for the uh, the Broncos, and obviously it gives a lot more, you know, Super Bowl potential to that uh, to that Miami Dolphins team. They're getting an absolute stud 
of a pass rusher. Uh, and they've been really lacking in that position. I think they only have 15 sacks this season uh, for the entire team. So, yeah, they're really going to up their, their caliber in that in that aspect moving forward. Yeah, and they weren't long finding a replacement for Chase Edmonds also because they they as quickly as they sent Chase Edmonds to Denver as part of the deal for Bradley Chubb, they went and they traded for um Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. Of course, Jeff Wilson, who saw his car who was probably going to see his reps um decrease with the arrival of Christian McCaffrey, but in a decent system and obviously working again with um, Mike McDaniel, um, I'm sure is a, is a move that will only help the player. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a personal standpoint, it works out very, very well uh, for Jeff Wilson. You know, he gets to go and he's probably going to be the lead back there, right? He'll probably take over from Gus Edwards eventually. Um, but I don't understand this trade from the 49ers point of view. I mean, you bring in a guy like Christian McCaffrey and obviously he's going to be your lead back. But Jeff Wilson is not a guy who's super expensive to keep on the roster. And he's a guy there who can come in and take over from Christian McCaffrey, uh, a guy who has been injury prone in the past. So the, the, the less time he can spend out there on the field, probably the better for the for the 49ers. So I don't really understand this move. Um, I didn't quite catch the compensation, so I don't know what they got from. Do you Let me just have a quick look here now and I'll get it for you? And the Jeff Wilson trade. Let me see now. Um, they are trading Jeff Wilson to the Miami Dolphins for a 2023 fifth round pick. Okay, so that's pretty cheap from the uh, Miami Dolphins side of you. Um, yeah, I don't really understand the trade from the 49ers, but hey, look, they know more about this sport than I do. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, don't say that out loud, though, because then people won't listen to us. You have to be careful True. with what you yeah, say. No. Sorry, scratch that. I, I know more than everybody. <laughs> well, not more than me. Let's get this right. True, true, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, one player actually also I should mention, we mentioned about Brandon Cooks and he hasn't been traded yet. One player that it's been well known, he's been on the trade block for the last few weeks, um, is Cam Akers. And they're running back from the Rams. Um, Sean McVay said that they're going to try and find a solution for him, which coach is coach talk means that they're going to try and trade him. But no team has sort of bitten yet or has even tried to send a um, a decent package to the Rams for Cam Akers. Now, they did try and put him in a package to the Panthers for Christian McCaffrey, which was torn down. Of course, he went ended up going to San Francisco instead. But uh, Cam Akers looking for a new home and and can't seem to find one at the moment. Yeah, I think this is kind of reminiscent of what happened with Stefan Gilmore at the end of uh the kind of coming up to the trade deadline last year when he when he signed with the Panthers. There's nobody who really wants to bite the bullet and send draft capital when they know he's probably going to be available as a free agent uh once all of this kind of clears out because I can't see him playing another um meaningful snap for for the Rams this season with the way things have gone so it's possible that guys are kind of waiting for him to hit the free agency and uh, maybe take their chances on the waiver wire yeah and we are less than 10 minutes about eight minutes by my recollection before the end of the trade deadline look 
quick roundup of some of the biggest deals today. Bradley Chubb going to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for uh, Chase Edmonds and an exchange of picks, including a first rounder. Chase Claypool is going to the Miami, or not Miami, sorry, to the Chicago Bears from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Calvin Ridley, of course, uh, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver who was suspended is no longer an Atlanta Falcons wide receiver. He is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jeff Wilson is going from San Francisco to the Miami Dolphins. Jacob Martin is moving from the Jets to the Broncos. Uh, Will Jackson, who we thought was going to be cut by the Commanders. Instead, they found a trade partner in the Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Hawkinson is going to the Miami... Uh, I keep saying Miami Dolphins. They're very active today. They're on the, on the tip of my tongue. TJ Hawkinson is going to the Minnesota Vikings from the Detroit Lions. He's staying in the NFC North in a very surprising move. We're still waiting to hear if Brandon Cooks will go anywhere. We'll, we haven't heard anything about Cam Akers, as we were just talking about. But in the last few minutes, let's have a quick chat about what happened last weekend. And uh, we'll start with probably um, probably the, the Thursday Night Football last week. And that was, of course, the um, Baltimore Ravens beating the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a costly night for the Buccaneers losing and their probably best pass rusher in Shaq Barrett for the season with an Achilles injury. Uh, Rian, we won't go into the game in too much detail, but I just want to ask you, is this kind of almost a full-blown crisis now for Tampa Bay? I don't think it's almost. I think it 100% is a full-blown crisis for Tampa Bay. They did not look good on Thursday night. They did not look good against the Panthers the week before. They have not looked good since probably week one when they beat the uh, Cowboys. So, yeah, I think it's crisis mode for sure at the moment down there in Tampa Bay. Um, and it, I'm really starting to think, is it time for Tom Brady to hang up those cleats mid-season? <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. No, 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 no. He's, he's losing a lot more than just, you know, football games staying this year. And I don't think he's going to put all that to one side just so he can you know retire midway through the year um definitely not if it ends up being a crap fest he'll stay in his till the end i think yeah fair enough but it's kind of a stain on the old um you know legacy that he's built over the years that is last season is more than likely going to be a losing season now uh, at this stage so um yeah upsetting to see that for such a legendary character of the sport maybe yeah. stay the year too long yeah, and who would have thought heading into the uh, the first game in Germany that the uh, the team in form heading into that game is going to be the Seattle Seahawks and not the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers? Who would have thought that? Everyone's come to see Gino. Let's talk about Gino. But actually, let's talk about Gino. Let's talk about that game. The uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, beat the New York Giants to inflict their second defeat of the season. They're six and two. The, the Seahawks are now five and three. And in in a very tough game between two sides that you could see are are, are playing quite well at the moment. Obviously, the big turnaround was two and um, turnovers on special teams by uh, the Seahawks. And um, unfortunately for poor Richie James, turning the ball over twice and. Um, in horrible positions and Seahawks were able to capitalize and, and beat them by a couple of scores. But what are your views there on the Giants coming out of this game? Do you think that we could start to see maybe a little bit of a side with a few more losses, maybe regress back to the mean, or do you think this could just be a stumbling block and they're back to it next week? Yeah, to be honest, I haven't really seen what their schedule looks like moving forward. Um, but, you know, they got beaten by a better team. 
this week. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks actually look legit. Um, I don't think anybody really saw that going into the season. Even the kind of um, Seattle narrative moving into this season was that it was going to be a rough one. But they actually look like a very strong team, right? Kenneth Walker looks like a stud. Geno Smith makes more perfect passes than I've seen any quarterback make this season. Um, he's just been unbelievable. I think he's probably in the MVP contention at the moment, the way he's playing. Um, it's probably not going to go to him now because, you know, the the he doesn't have the name associated with him, you know, the kind that uh, Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen have. But still, I think he should his name should be in that kind of sphere with the way he's been playing at the moment. Uh, so, know- yeah. Sorry, you mentioned MVP. The funny thing about that is, what how how funny would it be if Geno Smith gets a even a vote for MVP next this year? Whereas obviously the narrative around Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for years is that he's never received an MVP MVP vote, and the one year without Russ, the Seahawks quarterback gets an MVP vote. Just looking at the schedule there that you mentioned about the Giants. They're on a bye this week, um, and then they are at home to the Texans, at home to the Lions away to the Cowboys, at home to the Commanders, and then at home to the Eagles. That's a nice little run-in for the end of the season. Um, They could end up finishing with a very, very strong record. Uh, I don't see them missing out on the playoffs at this stage. I know they're in a very strong uh, NFC East battle, but I can see probably three teams going forward out of that division. Um, and I'd say probably the Giants are going to be one of those teams and they, they have this opportunity now to regroup on the bye and then move forward with a nice, uh, no no game is easy in the NFL, right? But if you're going to pick a team to come off a loss and a bye to, it's definitely the uh, the Texans. So yeah, they have a very good shot moving forward. Interesting and news just breaking here in the last few minutes before the trade deadline. Naheem Hines is being traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Buffalo Bills. So the Buffalo Bills getting some running back, um, uh, some running back backup there for them uh, coming towards the end of the year. Rain, your instant reaction to that news? Naheem Hines moving to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, he's definitely going to be able to help out in that run game a little bit. Um, he's also very useful as a as a returner, right? And um, I think he's probably going to be utilized in that position moving forward by the Bills. So yeah, I think it's probably a good trade. It's obviously just broken, so we haven't heard of the uh, compensation yet. But I think Naheem Hines was probably a little bit disgruntled out there in uh, in Indianapolis with the way things have been going, uh, and now he gets himself onto a contender team. So he must be happy. Definitely. Um, and I'm not, I'm still waiting to see the actual compensation. I can't imagine it'll be any more than maybe a fifth, sixth round pick. So definitely a day three pick. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so I think, yeah, good deal all around for all parties. I'm just still waiting to see that come true here. But there is the, it is eight o'clock. The trade deadline has, uh, it's closed, I should say. Um, the trade deadline has passed. Um, I'm just trying to see. Um, there is nothing exactly going on here. No, 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 nothing about the exact compensation. Adam Sheffer reporting that Naheem Hines has moved. He hasn't actually expand, expanded on that to say what exactly the compensation is. But um, interesting, though. 
it, it, the, like we mentioned that the uh, the window is now closed. The teams are set. There will be no more trades between teams. They can only pick up free agent and waiver wire ads now for the rest of the year. But one team that we may be expected to do something before the end of the trade deadline, considering how the season has started, is the Green Bay Packers. Um, your reaction to them not making any moves now in these last couple of days? Yeah, to be honest, this one was, I kind of expected it being that little bit closer to the team than most who are just have them on the peripheral. My girlfriend's a big fan, so I like to keep uh, on top of things there in Green Bay. And to be honest, Gudekunst was not in a very good position uh, moving into this kind of trade window uh, because it's clear that that team is not just a player away. And it's probably not just two players away. So... Yes, they do need a spark and they probably do need a wide receiver or two wide receivers, but they cannot get this team fixed um, with just a couple of trades. So it was always going to be like if they moved forward and made a couple of trades for a wide receiver uh, here and there, those guys probably wouldn't have worked out the way that the fans would want them to work out. And then he's in a bad situation there. But now that he hasn't made a trade, he's still going to feel that backlash from the fans as well because they feel like they need something moving forward i think it's probably best for the organization to just kind of let it go miss out in the playoffs this season it's not the worst thing in the world use your kind of elevated draft picks to really build around aaron Rodgers this year don't go for a defensive player in the first round try and build that offense moving forward because it's quite clear that that is where the problem lies um with the packers yeah Still waiting to hear the, the details of this Naheem Hines trade to the Buffalo Bills. Still nothing yet ex- about the exact compensation in terms of the deal. Um, One one player we should also mention that looked like we thought might be traded but wasn't also is Kareem Hunt. Um, He was looking to get moved. The, the Browns are looking for at least a fourth round pick for him. They didn't get one. Um, and he looks like he's going to remain a Brown for the next uh, for at least the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, from a Browns perspective, they're probably okay with that. Uh, they like having that one-two punch there with um, with Chubb. Even though Chubb can be an every-down back, it's nice to have a guy like Kareem Hunt to come in and take the load off every now and again. So I understand why they set the bar so high in terms of that draft capital that they were after. Um, and I understand as well why teams were a little bit hesitant to go for a guy who's, you know, he's uh, he's looked productive but he also has that past there that kind of makes him a little bit less attractive to teams uh from a kind of character standpoint if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um here's an interesting question that that i've just received in terms of um chance claypool and uh, moving to the bears we haven't actually had a chance to talk to him talk about him too much but he was a lot of players' picks in fancy football this year. Probably would have been dropped at this stage in a number of them. For you, do you think he is a waiver wire pickup now with his move to Chicago? It's an interesting one, to be honest, because I am a Darnell Mooney draftee, and he hasn't really worked out either. Um, because, you know, that Bears offense hasn't been great all season. Now they're starting to get things going a little bit. But I'd be worried about how much the line is going to protect uh, Justin Fields so as he can actually make those downfield throws because we all know that Claypool is 
he's a downfield threat. He um, he's got that big body and the nice speed that he becomes his vertical threat. Um, I don't know if they're really going to be able to utilize him three or four or five times a game because of how terrible that O line is out there in Chicago. Um, yeah, I don't know if you agree there. Do you? Will you be picking him up on waivers? I know you're the the fantasy king around these parts. Um. Not the fantasy king. I like Guru more than King. But like, well, well, if you want to call me the king, that's okay. Um, see, it all it all depends on obviously the team. Like, if you have a, a team with two decent wide receivers, you don't need to go for for Claypool. But if you if you're like one of those sort of snake or shark fancy football players, and you want him there just to stay on your uh, your bench so no one else can have him, I mean, go for it. All for it. all more power to you for that. Um, I don't know though if it's uh, if it's for me. Um, in terms of, look, if if I'm struggling, I'm you might as well take a punt at this stage of the season. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're like a just a, if you're like a three and, and five team or a four and four team so far this year, take the punt on Chance Claypool. You never know. We saw on Sunday that he could throw football as well, so he might throw for a touchdown. Um, so we'll see there, but. Um, a lefty too. Big up the lefties. Oh, big up. There you go. In the lefty family with, with yourself and, yep. and obviously um, CC, our other quarterback, is part of the Pirates too. Um, but yeah, so it looks like um, I'm still waiting to see about the Naheem Hines compensation. I still haven't seen anything just yet on that. I will keep you updated. Um, interesting tweet though from Brandon Cooks just after the trade deadline. Don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long. Those days are done. Cross the line with playing with my career. So definitely taking a shot at the Texans organization for not dealing him away from the team before the trade deadline. This is something that could get ugly. It, it could. It could. And to be honest, if I'm the Texans, I don't think Brandon Cooks is worth the um, the trouble that he's going to cause from now on. If I was the team, I'd probably be cutting him during the week. Um, you're not going to get your draft capital for him, but you know what? If he's going to be causing trouble in that dressing room on a team that's already kind of, um, let's say, not performing to the best of their abilities, uh, yeah, I I can't see them keeping that toxic kind of um, energy around. Not saying that Brandon Cooks is a bad guy or anything. I'm just saying that if he does feel like he's been upset by the team, uh, he's not going to deal with that well. He's a guy who wears his emotions on the sleeve. Um, so, yeah, I would probably be be cutting him now in the next couple of days. That is a really big decision to make now if you're going to cut him. For what you could have gotten in the trade deadline, um, to then going to cut him would be a huge, huge drop there. And we've well, just I'd, got I'd the... be interested. I'd be interested to see if anybody actually picked up the phone. I mean, like, yeah, he's mm. he's a great wide receiver but he's always had that question about him like that he has been a little bit injury prone in the past like did anybody actually pick up the phone and make an offer that was even realistic for the texans to uh to even think about well maybe teams picked up the phone and what the texans wanted and what the texans were offered were you know two totally different things and just they just refused to budge from their asking price it's possible. It's very possible. But yeah, look, um, I guess he's on a big contract as well. Like, I don't know if it makes sense to cut him. That was just my initial reaction was, okay, this guy's going to cause trouble. So 
best off not have him in the establishment at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is an interesting one, isn't it? It is. We just got the compensation details for the, the Naheem Hines uh, picks. So the Bills are trading uh, running back Zach Moss and a sixth round pick that can go to a fifth rounder to the Colts um, for uh, Naheem Hines. So a sixth round that can turn into a fifth and running back Zach Moss going to Indianapolis in return for Naheem Hines coming to the Bills. How would you feel about that? I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, a sixth for Naheem Hines was probably where I was at. I guess Zach Moss then becomes surplus to requirements. So um, you kind of cut a little bit of cap there, uh, deal him out. He gets a second chance at a career out there in Indianapolis. Uh, I'd be interested to see how he goes out there. He never really got going like I thought he could when he was in um, when he was in Buffalo. But um, yeah, I think an overall decent compensation for a guy who's uh, he's not going to be the lead back. Let's face it, Devin Singletree is probably going to be the lead guy out there. Um, so yeah, yeah, decent compensation. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll move away from the trade de- um, deadline and we'll talk a little bit more about what happened um, last weekend. And uh, I want to talk about your Carolina Panthers um, losing in overtime to the Atlanta Falcons in an NFC North matchup, 37 points to 34. Of course, the Carolina Panthers um, scored a touchdown in the last few seconds of the fourth quarter through DJ Moore. Um, all they needed was the extra point to win the game. They were hit with a 15-yard penalty due to DJ Moore taking off his helmet on the field of play. And then Eddie Pinheiro, um, who spent time before the game taking a lot of selfies, decided that he was not going to make this extra point. Yeah, yeah. It was a tough one to watch. A classic uh, Panthers loss. Maybe not this season because they actually managed to score was it, 34 points. That's pretty much unheard of this season but um it was a classic panthers loss in the sense that they allowed that game to be lost when they should have had it shut down they were a much better team on the day but they couldn't get their defense off the field um when the defense did show up with that pick right at the end to uh give eddie pinero a second bite of the apple um he still managed to miss the kick now i think the the biggest talking point about this game, ridiculously, even though um, PJ Walker had the most air yards of any pass since Next Gen Stats came into the league, that pass for the touchdown, the main talking point out of that play was the fact that that 15-yard penalty was enforced for DJ Moore removing his helmet in the field of play, even though he was not in the field of play. He had stepped out of the back of the end zone, which is technically outside of the field of play. Now, I'm not begrudging. The, the Panthers threw away that game. They should have won it easily uh, before that. But it's another time where the NFL officials have inserted themselves into a game um, and kind of been the main talking point regarding it. And that should never be the case. It's it's all well and good, these rules that they have, but it doesn't really suit with the spirit of the game, right? Did did DJ Moore taunt anybody by taking off his helmet? No. Did he threaten anybody by taking off his helmet? No. Did did he do realistically anything wrong against the spirit of the game? He did not. So the spirit of that penalty is just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, 
ridiculously as well, there was a couple of other teams in the league that had touchdowns where the uh, the player took off his helmet as he was out the back of the end zone. And funnily enough, Young Ho Koo, uh, after he made the uh, field goal to win the game, uh, he was raised up on the shoulders of his teammates and he took his helmet off in the field of play. Now, obviously, they're not going to flag that because it's the end of the game, but still, it that's a little that's that's just being maybe a little sour. On okay, yeah, maybe on maybe point, I'm begrudging exactly, on that one. I am yeah, begrudging yeah. on that one, but it's still a case of why are we allowing the referees to become such a big part of the game? Well, that's true. Um, and it is a fair point. Um, look, we've seen we've seen numerous touchdown celebrations include helmets maybe coming off. Look, my instant reaction is the Stefan Diggs winning touchdown for the Vikings against the Chiefs in the NFC champ, not the NFC championship, uh, NFC divisional um, game a couple of years ago when he scored the, the walk-off touchdown, took the helmet off and threw it across the field. You know, but they're not going to inflict a 15 yard penalty on it. Like you're like similar to the young way Ku um, game winning one where he took his helmet off. They're not going to bring it back for 15 yards after the the play has already been made. So, um, yeah, it, it, it seems very. But on that, one that you on that one that you mentioned, was there was that a walk off touchdown or was it there was a, it was a walk off touchdown? Oh, it right, was okay. a walk-off touchdown. It was the last play of the game, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. But, I mean, like, his celebration was more dangerous than DJ Moore. DJ Moore didn't throw his helmet. He just dropped it on the ground. It's human emotion. Like, all he did was yeah. react as a, as a person. And, look, that's 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 an age-old question in all of sport when it comes to refereeing and, and passions of games where, like, the the sort of... Like you, like the emotions not taken into account of, all right, he's done this because it's a last second touchdown to tie a game that they've been behind and now they have a chance to win. It's not like a random touchdown in the first or second quarter where he's just decided to take his helmet off because he wants to. They were so, but also referees, I bet, are told not to ref with emotion either. They have to be emotionless when it comes to it. And, I guess when it comes to the letter of the law, they saw that as a flaggable offence, and that's that's how they, that's why they threw the flag. Yeah, but even on this one, they they didn't even get it right to the letter of the law. The 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 wording specifically says cannot remove his helmet in the field of play. Well, DJ wasn't in the field of play; he'd stepped out the back of the end zone before taking his helmet off. So, yeah, look. There's not much you can do about it moving forward. I was very impressed with the way the Panthers played. I'm looking forward to a game against the uh, the Bengals, who looked awful on Monday night versus the uh, versus the Browns. So yeah, look, I'm I'm excited about the year to come. Yeah, well, let's have a chat about that game. The Monday Night Football game last week, the Cincinnati Bengals travelling to Cleveland to take on the Browns in an AFC North matchup. And the Cleveland Browns sort of pretty much blew the doors off the Bengals, beating them 32 points to 13. They were 25-0 up towards the end of the third quarter. The Bengals couldn't get anything going on offense. And it seems like no chase, no chance. That is exactly uh, my thoughts. The, the, the fact that Jamar Chase draws so much attention by defences, and rightly so, 
the guy is a, an absolute unicorn. Um, it 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 does kind of worry you though that if if Jamar Chase is to spend a kind of significant portion of time off this team, and that kind of is what we're talking about at the moment. There was there was rumors about IR being mentioned, and oh no, we won't put him on IR. But that kind of means he probably is going to miss three to four weeks. Is this offense going to struggle as much as it did against the Browns uh, for the next three or four weeks? It's it's very possible. Um, and I would be worried if I was that uh, Bengals team. Yeah, and I would be worried at the state of the offensive line with the amount of money they've invested. It just hasn't seemed like it's gelled yet, and it's still struggling to. Uh, Joe Burrow was sacked five times in that game, and of course, um, Miles Garrett was responsible for one and a half of them too. You know, and seeing on uh, uh, the the play we mentioned earlier on that. Uh, Kareem Hunt is not leaving the Browns. He's sticking around, so it's going to continue to have that sort of dual threat running back with him and Nick Chubb, who, of course, Nick Chubb rushed for 101 yards on 23 attempts and scoring two touchdowns in that game too. And look, for all we can say about the issues that they have on defense, the Browns at the moment, um, the pass rush, uh, including Miles Garrett and then the rushing attack, which is, uh, consistent of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That is going to do a lot to uh, help your team win games. Yeah, 100%. I mentioned it last week. They do have the talent across the board to win football games in the NFL. And I think moving forward, the game plan is pretty simple. Hand the ball to your stud running back and just blitz, blitz, blitz on defense. Make sure that the guy you're playing against does not feel comfortable in that pocket. Make him try and beat you because... Most times in this league, the, the, the quarterback caliber is not up to scratch. Like obviously against a, a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes, they might be able to beat you even with pressure in their face. But most of the quarterbacks in, in the NFL are not able to deal with that sort of pressure, particularly with the likes of Miles Garrett running you down. So yeah, stick to the game plan, wait it out, get yourself Deshaun Watson back, and then you can start thinking about throwing in some more exotic pass plays and that sort of thing. But until then, hand the ball to your back, blitz the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Um, we saw two shutouts this uh, this past Sunday in two different games. The most surprising of which was the Las Vegas Raiders putting up a goose egg over in New Orleans against the Saints, losing by 24 points to nil. Alvin Kamara went off in this game, having uh, three touchdowns from scrimmage, two receiving and one rushing but it it was on the Raiders side of things where Derek Carr only threw for 101 yards for one interception they couldn't get anything going on the ground Josh Jacobs after his recent good form only rushed for 43 yards Devontae Adams in this game had one catch for three yards this New Orleans defense swarmed the Raiders and it was one of the big concerns we had coming into this season with the Raiders was how porous they seem to be on the offensive line and it just showed this past Sunday yeah 100% did I think a lot of us um, on the show kind of had the Raiders picked as our team in that in that matchup um, so yeah I was really surprised that they couldn't get things moving at all uh, you mentioned Devontae Adams he had one catch for three yards but he also had a carry for negative three so um, he finished out the game with zero scrimmage yards which is just insane to see. I mean, I would be able to hit uh, 
hit him for kind of 50 yards a game just by throwing the ball up in the air and he will come down with it at least one time. So yeah, strange. The game plan seemed off from the Raiders. The uh, the O line looked dreadful, and uh, I would be worried moving forward. They have not got a good record so far. They had started to look like they were gonna start giving teams some games, but this is gonna be a blow to the confidence. Putting up a goose egg against a uh, a Saints team who have been pretty porous these last couple of weeks on defense. Yeah, um, do you think that? despite him only being in the job a couple of months, that Josh McDaniel's seat is getting a little hot? It's possible. It's very possible. Um, I mean, they gave they gave a lot of time to... Um, what's his face? The, the, the famous guy that they gave a 10-year contract to? Gruden. Gruden. They gave a lot of time to Gruden, and it was really racist emails that got him out of that job not his performance so i can see them sticking with uh, mcdaniel's moving forward but i mean at some point something's got to give right if this if this if they don't win a game for the rest of the season you cannot realistically uh, keep him in the job i don't know how many wins saves his job but yeah um it'll be interesting moving on to that kind of what is it what do they call it uh black friday or whatever Black Monday. Uh, Black Monday. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be in and around the top of that list to uh, to lose his job. Yeah. Well, it, it is interesting because obviously the Raiders are two and five at the moment. The money they invested in the offseason, not only um, bringing in Devontae Adams um, and giving him a new contract, but also they gave Derek Carr a new contract too. So, And with Derek Carr struggling this year, let's not, let's not um, try and... Uh, you know, jazz it up any other way. He has struggled this year. He's played quite poorly for the amount of expectation that was on his shoulders. Having his old college teammate in Devontae Adams, probably the best wide receiver in the league coming in. Um, there's going to be some serious question marks in the offseason about Dave, uh, Derek Carr and whether or not he can continue to be the uh, the number one guy in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, realistically, all signs pointed to this being a career year for Derek Carr, and it has just not worked out that way. You know, having Devontae Adams there, his college teammate, he should have had that chemistry from day one, but he just has not been able to get things going there. Uh, I think if you're outside of the Raiders organization, it's pretty clear that you need to start looking at other quarterback options. Now, obviously, they gave the money to Carr, but at some point, you just have to cut your losses and move on because Carr is not that guy, and this season is making that abundantly clear. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, We'll have a look at one or two more games before we wrap up this uh, show. Um, Let's have a a chat about... um, Another coach who I think should be on the hot seat. Others seem to disagree with me when I talk about him. But it's the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell losing again this week, albeit to the Miami Dolphins, but being up 27-17 at halftime and then not scoring another point in the second half for a team that has had as many defensive issues as they have had Um in uh, throughout this year, they've relied on their offense to get them um, at least relevant in games. But you know, only one win this year. Um, I feel he should be on the hot seat. They have, um, like we mentioned earlier on, they've gone and traded their tight end TJ Hawkinson away. 
Um, they've also fired their defensive backs coach, Aubrey Pleasant, um, as well. In I think it was just earlier on today. Did it, it wasn't yesterday. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things going on with Detroit at the moment. And for all the hype that they received in the off season from being on the hard knocks and how they finished the end of last season, and and look, you can't help but feel motivated when you have someone like Dan Campbell there. Um, he, you know, even the reporters feel motivated when he talks to them and stuff. But sometimes when things aren't working, they have to be pointed out. And for me, it's not working between them, between Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions at the moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm on your side in this one. I think that he should absolutely be on the hot seat. Um, I can't remember what their record was last season. Not good anyway. I think they had two wins or something like that. And now they're moving forward with with one win off their first eight games. That's just really not good enough for a guy who's meant to be building a culture and a winning culture at that. Um, as a Carolina Panthers fan, I saw a guy come in and everybody was like, trust the process, trust the process. He's a third-year guy. In the NFL, you cannot afford someone that long to build a culture because we see other guys do it much more quickly. Like the the Miami Dolphins have had a super quick turnaround with their head coach. Uh Brian Dable coming in at the Giants, making an instant impact. You cannot be affording to give a guy like Dan Campbell three or four years to get the job done right. Um, and I get that he's a likable guy. You know, there's there's kind of this hard knocks fever going on where everybody thinks that the team involved in hard knock are better. Hard knocks are better than the air, and the the characters that they put forward deserve more respect than they actually do. But this is a head coach who is has only I only got three wins over the last season and a half. Um so yeah, his seat should absolutely be hot at this stage of the season. Yeah, he's a four nineteen and one as his record as Detroit Lions head coach. And like I mentioned, he comes to these press conferences and earlier on the season he's saying, I should have made this decision, I should have made this decision. And look, you can understand if you make a decision wrong in the heat at the moment. But he doesn't learn from those mistakes where there is going for it on these stupid fourth down calls like he did against New England or he did it numerous times this year and last year, where instead it probably makes more sense to punt the ball. Um, but, you know, I think he wants to play this exciting brand of football. I think he wants to please the Detroit fans. And look, I admire that so much. But when you are one of these teams at the bottom, you have to try it whatever way you can to win a game. But you've got to do it, you know, the smart way. Um, and I don't think that's what they're doing at the moment. You can, you know, you can fire your, you know, your DBs coach all you like. You can move on your your tight end, probably one of your better offensive players, and get a haul of picks. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's got to be some progress being made there, and I can't see any progress being made there at the moment. From, I think it's actually a bit more regression because, you know, in the last three games they've scored in two quarters so that's what three 12 so two of the last 12 quarters they've scored points in that's not good mm. no absolutely not and for a team who have actually drafted pretty well in the last couple of years like um um their their first rounder this year looks to be an absolute stud um so realistically they've added talent but regressed in the fact that they only have one win on the season through eight games uh so yeah just not good enough yeah, uh, we'll look at one more game before we call it a day there. Um, and of all the games we could talk about, I wonder which one we will talk about. Hmm. 
Let's have a look. See, actually, we will. We'll have a chat about this game, and because I want to have a chat a little bit about the quarterback, and that is uh, the New York Jets. New York Jets uh, lost seventeen points to twenty-two against the New England Patriots. I think that's their eleventh loss in a row against the New England Patriots. Um, Zach Wilson, although throwing for three hundred and fifty-five yards. Um, uh, looks fancy. It's a lot of padding of the stats with a lot of yak yards added onto that. He threw three interceptions for his two touchdown passes as well. Um, is it crazy to think that the New York Jets offense looked better when Joe Flacco was under center at the start of the year? I don't know if they did. No, I don't know if they did. I mean, they beat the Browns. That is true. They beat the Browns, but a lot of people beat the Browns. They they've only won their third game of the season the so Bengals. far. <laughs> true, yeah. <laughs> but look, Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. You or know what you're getting. Yeah, true, true, very true. <laughs> but Joe Flacco, you know what you're getting. He's he's a just a game manager. Does the job that he he's done for his entire career, um, and he's just not that guy. I think Zach Wilson possibly could be that guy. Now, he's not really looking like it at the moment. I saw flashes of it in the first couple of games he was back, but he seems to have regressed a little bit. I don't know if that's because he's increased his confidence levels or something, but he's starting to look like the wish version of Patrick Mahomes, running around in the back of the pocket, doing all sorts of mad stuff back there, only to throw a very poor pick at the end of the play. Um, that seems to be happening all the time. And I think it's, and I saw someone do a breakdown of it. It seems to be whenever his, sorry, excuse me, whenever his first read is not there. So it seemed to be Garrett Wilson was his first read for most of that game last week. And when it's not there, he's like, okay, F this, I'm bailing out, seeing if I can get a better angle at that pass. Can't get a better angle at that pass. Oh, that guy looks open. Oh, no, wait, no, he's not. There's someone there. It's intercepted. Yeah, yeah, and I'm seeing that a little bit too. But, I mean, I want to pull it back to kind of year two Josh Allen. A lot of people had the same criticisms of him. Uh, Taking a big step here. Be careful. Okay, I'm not, Be I'm, careful. Not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to turn into Josh Allen. But I am saying the same criticisms were leveled at uh, Josh Allen in his second year in the league. He didn't really have the kind of football IQ. He was maybe playing behind an O-line that probably wasn't the, the right standard. You know, the, Wilson's O-line is banged up at the moment. They have lost a couple of guards, a couple of tackles. Uh, they've had lots and lots of turnover. So it, I understand why he's a little bit tetchy and wanting to get out of the pocket, but he needs to make better decisions. And that's exactly what people were saying about uh, Josh Allen in year two, he needs to make better decisions. The mistakes that he's making at the moment are coachable, right? He can get that coached out of him. So the arm talent is there. The escapability is there. He just needs to stop making stupid mistakes. So there's potential, but the same thing, I said the same thing about Sam Darnold and that did not work out well. So it's a 50-50 shot at this stage. Yeah, true. It is. Um, uh, the uh, it did look like they really missed Brees Hall in this game as well. They couldn't get the run game going. Like Michael Carter had only twenty six yards from seven attempts. James Robinson, you know, 
they only traded for him during the week. So he sort of was eased into this offense, five rushes for 17 yards. And like you're saying, that offensive line did struggle. Um, it was good to see Garrett Wilson get back um, with some uh, receptions in this game. Um, like I mentioned in last week's show, I was worried that his productivity went right down as soon as Zach Wilson came back. It looks as though he made the conscious effort to put him back in to the lineup for this one. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Up next for the New York Jets, they um, are facing. Let me just see very quickly here. Uh, oh, no, it's the, just the, the easy task of uh, going up against the Buffalo Bills at home this week. So, and then so they have... year, year, year five, Josh Allen versus year two, Josh Allen. <laughs> That's it. You see, this, and they'll just, Robert Sala will point at Josh Allen and say, hey, Zach, this could be you. <laughs> this is your future right here yeah um, except a hundred pounds lighter and uh half yeah. a foot shorter exactly <laughs> exactly um and then they uh, they actually have a re- the return game against the patriots um two weeks after that because they're on their bye after this weekend so um hopefully maybe during the bye they can get some stuff right and get some new uh, plays down for zach wilson to maximize it because he does have potential i'm not closing the book on, on zach wilson saying that he's a bust or anything like that he just it just seems as though he he panics when his first read isn't there and he just needs to sort of get that out of his system and just go through his progressions. But that's this is a defensive lineman saying that. You know, I'd much rather hear you much rather hear the opinions of an, an actual quarterback and what he believes uh, on that too. But we're gonna wrap up the edition of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to a reaction to the last half an hour of the trade deadline. And we just did a, a quick impromptu week eight recap as well. Before we go, Rain, I do notice you are supporting, or should I say you are um, showing off a very nice mustache at the moment. And, I'm sh- and we all know what the cause is, but do you want to just give anyone who doesn't know um, information as to what, what, why you are, you are sporting, that's what I was looking for. Sporting, sporting. such, <laughs> sporting, such a such a fantastic mistake. Yeah, so it's all in in um, in support of Movember. Uh, I tweeted out the link. Anybody can donate if they want to. If you don't have the money, that's totally fine. But it's all about kind of uh, supporting mental health for men. You know, I think four out of five suicides are male, but. N- Men just don't ask for help. So this is all about raising awareness uh, for kind of mental health and all that sort of thing. Uh, everybody has somebody or knows somebody who has been affected by suicide or by mental health issues. And it's just a really great cause to get behind. So if you can donate anything, you know, two euro helps, five euro helps, whatever you can. Uh, we'll keep tweeting out the the link for um for for donating and yeah just just get involved grow a mo send us send us photos of your own mustache and uh, yeah we'd we'd love to see a bit of fan interaction on it as well excellent stuff and yeah like i said fair play uh rain for doing a fantastic uh deed for a fantastic cause and like i said we will uh, tweet out the uh, links if you want to donate to rain's mo cause that is you can see it there at the bottom of the screen at under center pod Sorry, excuse me. Uh, I'm very gassy now this this evening. I don't know why. Uh, at UndercenterPod on Twitter. The same on Instagram. Uh, if you want to listen back to the podcast, you can just search Undercenter Podcast wherever you get your podcast. You will find the show there. But until next time, Rian, thank you so much as always. Yeah, it was a pleasure.
And we will be back soon. But until then, stay safe and enjoy. Well, I guess enjoy nothing <laughs> until next week. Um, but no, listen, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week and we will have a look back at week nine. We won't have a, a preview show this week just due to other commitments. So until then, stay safe and we'll see you soon.